Let's turn in our Bible this evening to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Perhaps for the context we can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and we'll read from the verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and the verse 9. thinking tonight of truth for youth. We're thinking of a call to youth to remember. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 9. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading of course from the authorized version. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou, that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thine heart, and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. Nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or at the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 7. And we pray God will stamp his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. And my theme this evening is truth for youth. A call for young people to remember. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12 and 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Now it's wonderful to discover that the Bible has loads of things to say to young people. There are many, many scriptures that address the lives of young people from a variety of different angles. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 is one such reference. 
young people, these words were spoken by King Solomon um, as an older man looking back on life, thinking primarily about his life, the lessons that he learned, and the invaluable conclusion that he come to as to the meaning and the key to a successful, happy life. Now, it wasn't just as a king on the throne that Solomon uttered these words. We didn't read it in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, but if you notice in um, verse 9 and in verse 10, uh, you have got the word the preacher. See, Solomon was better known not only as the king on the throne, but as the preacher. And if you read chapter 12 carefully, he describes himself as the preacher. The one who stood head and shoulders above the other preachers in his day and generation. These words were uttered approximately 3,000 years ago in 977 BC. And he, of course, was a wise and good preacher. And if you're looking for counsel, if you're looking sound advice, if you're looking a word of wisdom, well, here's some of the best advice that was ever given to young people. And the advice was this, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You see, Solomon's an old man. He has seen and experienced much in his lifetime. Early in life, he gave himself to pleasure. He gave himself to popularity. He gave himself to philosophy. He gave himself to prosperity. And he discovered towards the end of his life that vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. He knew the vanity and emptiness of life and the very vexation of his spirit. Now he's an older man. And he's thinking about the onset of death. He's thinking about stepping out into God's eternity. And as he prepares for death and, and judgment to come, then he, he utters this best advice, this good counsel to the young people in his day and generation. Here's a great truth for youth, a call for youth to remember. The word remember is used 263 times in the Bible. And of course the word remember means recall to mind. Think about this. Consider carefully. Ponder this. Take this to heart. And that's what he's saying. Now if you look at the text of scripture, there's three simple things. And this is what, what came to me. First of all, who young people are to remember? And the answer's here in the text. Remember now thy creator. Young people are to remember that they have a creator. Remember that you tonight have a creator God. You're to take stock and thought of the one who has made you. And that of course is fundamental to your happiness and to your well-being. This is really the key secret to a happy life. This, this is really fundamental to life itself. There is one who has made us in his own image. And no matter what the evolutionists say, we are not a product of chance. We haven't crept out of some primeval soup or slime somewhere in the ancient times of the universe. We are not an accident of nature. There is a God who has made us. And that's the testimony of the Bible. 
You go right back to the book of beginnings, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And what do we read there in Genesis chapter 1 and in the verse um, 26? And God said, let us, this was God acting in a trinity in unity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And we read in verse 7 of chapter 2, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Isn't Eve called in the Bible the mother of all living? And you know, we'll come forward many years from Genesis, right into the first century, to the days of the Apostle Paul. He's at a place called Mars Hill outside the city of Athens. And he's preaching there. And he's seen this sign to the unknown God. And he uses that to, to be a, a, a subject to, to start preaching. And he said this in verse 26 of Acts 17. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth. And hath determined... The times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now we can trace our lineage right back to Adam and Eve, our first parents. And you add to that testimonial, Psalm 139 verse 14, when the psalmist declared that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He took stock, he had thought in his mind of the God who had made him. It was Elihu, one of Job's so-called comforters. He came to Job in chapter 33 in the verse 4 and said this. And this was true. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Now I have to say tonight, it's the mark of a fool, whether he's an evolutionist fool or a humanist fool, to argue and to deny that God is creator and maker. Let's rediscover and think of the truth that we're totally dependent on him. Because as Paul goes on to say in that Mars Hill sermon, that in him we move and live and have our being. Do you know the breath that we breathe? The breath in our body. The steps that we take, we couldn't take a step without God. The very heartbeat that we enjoy, it's God that keeps the heart beating. The health we enjoy, we're in his hands. He's the master potter. All the gifts and talents we possess, he has bestowed them upon us. You see, God tonight has a sovereign claim over all his creatures. And you, of course, could reject it. You could refuse it. You, you could... Um, Refuse to uh, accept it and process it. You could stamp your feet and say it's not right, it's not fair. But it's still true. It can't be changed. It, it, it can't be altered. Remember the Bible, the fool of said in his heart, there is no God. And he could be an atheistic fool. He could be a, a humanistic fool. He can be a hedonistic fool. But the Bible says, remember now thy creator. 
who are young people to remember that they have a creator and maker. And you know what that means? That means you'll acknowledge him. There's one who made me. And you'll bring him as creator into your mind and into your thoughts. And you'll begin to think about him. You'll begin to consider him. There's one who's made me in his image. And not only is there an acknowledgement of him, but there's an acceptance of him. You'll begin to pay honour to him. You'll learn that you've got a duty and responsibility to him. You'll discover as you acknowledge him. I'm dependent on him. As we've said in him, we move and live in a being. And I'm accountable to him. Doesn't the Bible say in Romans 14 and 10, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God? Doesn't the Bible say over there in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church was able to um, speak about the judgment seat uh, and he uh, made this uh, tremendous statement for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. It's coming to the place where you accept, think about, I have a creator God who has a claim on me and my life, who owns me, therefore I cannot live and do as I please. See, there's a story told of a young man. His name was Donald Campbell and he worked in the docks and we're not sure whether it was Liverpool or or, or Manchester, but his job was to help to unload the coal from the ships very dirty job, a very hard, hard job. And of course, Donald Campbell as a young man was not afraid of hard work. In fact, he loved his job and he thanked God for it. Donald Campbell, of course, was a true Christian, a real born again believer. And as a believer, working in that environment, a very manly environment, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was demeaned, he he was branded, you're a killjoy son. You're a spoiled sport. You don't enjoy life. You need to come with us to the pub and have a beer. Here, son, have a fag. Throw away at that. That'll do your lungs good. And that's the type of banter that would have went on in those days in the workplace. It maybe still goes on. I don't know, Brother Alan, but it still goes on. It went on in my day when I worked in Jacob's timber yard for a time. But one day in the tea room, he was waiting on a ship docking. And one of the older men, he got up, a bit of a laugh at this young fellow, Donald Campbell. And he took a piece of chalk and he wrote on the board a message for Donald. Isn't that great? And this is what he wrote. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. A message for Donald. And everybody laughed. And there was a few jeers and whatever. Donald said nothing. But he got up. From the chair he was sitting on, went over, took the chalk from his fellow colleague, and he said, let's finish the verse. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. You see, there's an acknowledgement of God as creator and maker. There's an acceptance that he has a claim in my life, so I cannot live and do as I please. And more than that, this life of dependency that's on him 
is also a life whereby I am fully accountable to him. So, so when we say to young people, who are young people to remember? Thy creator. They're to remember there has to be an acknowledgement of him, an acceptance of him, and there's a day of accountability to him. One day sinners will be called to the bar of justice. They'll give an account to God for every thought and word and deed. See, young people today don't really think of death and judgment. They don't think of the great eternity. They don't think of the day that they'll ever be face to face with the judge of all the earth. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 10 and verse 4? The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. And here's this context of Solomon. An old man looking back in life. And, and we've asked the question, is he speaking sarcastically? If you think of verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. What's he saying? Go ahead, young man. Give yourself to all that your eyes see. All that your heart yearns to do. But understand this. That one day you'll be brought face to face with the judge of all the earth. One day there'll be the judgment. In Mars Hill's sermon, the Apostle Paul could say, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You see the connection, the resurrection, the empty tomb, is proof that the day of judgment is coming. And over there in Hebrews, the apostle could say, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, a telling statement, and as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time, without sin unto salvation. See, Solomon wanted the young men in his day and generation to, to learn this. You can't sin and get away with it. Sin has consequences. Sin will find you out. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. But sin will not only find you out, you'll discover that sin pays wages. The wages of sin is death. And you'll reap what you sow, and you'll reap a lot more than you sow. So he's telling the young people something very plainly, something precisely. He's telling them lovingly. Isn't it interesting, the king on the throne, the preacher in the pulpit, he's not out of touch with the young people. He hasn't forgotten what it is to live his life through the eyes of youth. See, young people think that older people just don't get it. That, that they are out of touch. That, that they're not up to date. But, but Solomon's a plain speaker. He gets straight to the point. It's a bold, clear, unmistakable, invaluable message. It, it's the most important advice that he could ever give. He's speaking, of course, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And as we have said often from this pulpit, it's not what I think. Or it's not what Professor so-and-so in the university thinks. Or even a man with a PhD. And there's many, many smart men in the world. 
and there's many geniuses in their own field, and I, I wouldn't be fit to uh, untie their, their shoelaces. But when it comes to the truth of God's word, many of these men have to accept that it's not their view or their opinion or their ideas. It's not even what the devil view that counts or the world's view. It's, it's God's view revealed in the scriptures. You know, I think of puny little men, educated men, geniuses in their own field, puffed up with their knowledge. And there they are pontificating. And they say to the young people, there's no God. There, there's no judgment to come. You, you live as you please. And die as you live. What they're really saying is God's not creator or maker. And that's a lie. A call for the youth to remember. Who are you to remember? You have a creator and maker. Acknowledge that. Accept that. Live in the accountability of that. Notice, secondly and very quickly, when young people are to remember. If you look at this text, it says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. <coughs> you see, youth is to me one of the most noble times of one's life. When we're young, maybe as a teenager, coming into 20s or 30s, you're full of energy, full of vigour and vitality. This is prime time life. This is a, a day of opportunity, a day when ambitions and dreams are made. When careers are chosen and adopted. When, when lives are shaped and moulded. You see, he's talking about in the days of thy youth. You see, what we are in youth, we usually become in middle age and on to old age. The habits and lifestyle of young people can follow on towards the grave. Let, let me illustrate. If you attend church as a child... You attend as a young person, a teenager. You're likely to do so later in life. If you read your Bible as a child, seek to learn the scriptures and have a love for God's word, then you'll, you'll usually do so later in life. I remember Ernie Patterson, who used to sit here at the front, 94, before he we went into the nursing home when he was well into his 90s. And I'd go to visit him. There was no TV on. Do you want the TV on, Ernie? No. Do you want the radio on, Ernie? No. I've got my Bible. But when I used to go and visit um, the late Alice Crawford, Wilford's mother here, I went into the home and there she was with the Bible out. And she was reading from, and she used to delight in telling me what she'd read that day. And you know, it thrilled my soul. Because it brought home that point, the habits and lifestyle of young people usually follow them on towards old age. If you engage in prayer as a child and a young person, then you'll engage in prayer as an older person. See, many young people, long before they're 25, and this could be statistically proven, they have discovered the secret of a happy life. And what is the secret of a happy life? Part of the answer lies here. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. You see, the time of thy youth 
is not only prime time, but it's a priority time. And top of the list, primarily, this is something that they have to do. And what is it? They have to rejoice. They have to be happy. Now, now, let's ask this question. How on earth can young people be happy? And here's the answer. Psalm 144, verse 15. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. And young people who come to Christ, they discover very quickly, as we were singing in that lovely hymn, now none but Christ can satisfy. There's no other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy. Lord Jesus found in me. That word joy means putting Jesus first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Putting, putting the needs of others first before yourself. Jesus first, others next. And yourself last. Young people who come to Christ don't, don't need booze. And they don't need the party scene or the pop culture. They don't need the dens of immorality. They don't need drugs to be happy and satisfied. You see, you see that's a lie of the devil. And it's another lie from the devil that because you become a Christian and because you've got saved, you've got to go about with a big long face. As they used to talk about in Tandragee, like a lurgan spade, whatever a lurgan spade is. Probably a big long spade. And you can't be glad. And you couldn't smile. And you've got to go about depressed. See, youth is a time to learn the secret of happiness. See, Solomon does something here that's interesting. He switches from the days of thy youth to the days of old age. Notice in verse 1 there, he talks about while the evil days come not. And then he adds, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And you think of the many that have grown up as young people and they have been to the, the public house and they have become intoxicated with alcohol or, or, or they're, 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 they're taking drugs. And we've seen pictures recently of those who are taking crack cocaine in the streets of Manchester and they're really going about in a, a zombie-like state. You ask them, are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you really glad you started on a life of drug taking? And the answer would be no. Why? Because they've discovered there's no pleasure in them. No pleasure in things. Life has just become a sigh. If you look at verse 3, it says, In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they're few. Do you know what the grinders are? They're your teeth. That's another name for teeth. Your teeth have started falling out and you've started losing them. And you haven't got any. And it says here, and those that look out of the windows be darkened. That's a reference to the eyes. The eyes have grown dim. The old person now can't see the way they could see before. And in verse 6, because man goeth to his long home. That's a reference to death. 
And you think of a, a person that's coming near the end of death, coming near the end of their days, preparing for death, and their arms and legs are weak and tired, and they're just wanting to go home. Then death itself comes, or ever the silver cord be loosed. That's a reference to, to leaving time and going out into God's eternity. Verse 7, and then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Here's Solomon, and he's an old man now. And he's thinking when young people ought to remember their creator. And he's saying in the days of youth, because you see, he was a young person. And he set his heart in pleasure, chapter 2, verse 1. It, 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 it um, was, was his purpose and meaning in life to have a good time, live for fun, mirth, have a bit of crack. Let the things of God be shoved to the one side. Go after the high life. Then he set his heart on prosperity. And he had great wealth and riches. Gold and silver. It was beyond counting. Precious stones piled up. He set his heart on philosophy. He was a deep thinker. What is life all about? Who am I? Why am I here? What is life all about? He set his heart in popularity. He wanted to be well thought of, accepted, plauded. He wanted to have a good reputation. But at the end of it all, he discovered what? As he says in verse 8, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. He's thinking about life. And he's thinking of young people whose hearts are set in pleasure and on prosperity. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire. Set their heart in philosophy. I want to know loads of things. Set their heart in being popular. And he's telling them it's, it's vanity and empty when you reject and refuse to bring into the center your creator and maker. That's what he's saying. All is vanity, saith the preacher, and vexation of spirit. He has told these young people to put away sin. He says in verse 10, therefore, which means in view of this, in light of the judgment, remove sorrow from thine heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity, empty without God. Let's remember Samuel in the temple as a child heard the call of God. And he came forth and said, when he discovered it was the Lord speaking, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Jeremiah was converted as a child. Timothy was converted as a child. Paul could say to him, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, were able to make thee wise unto salvation. Solomon, of course, said to his own children, My son, give me thine heart. And I could go on to We could talk about George Whitfield, who at 22 was preaching to thousands of the open air. Martin Luther, before he was age of 30, stood against the might of the Roman Catholic Church, the most powerful institution in the world at that time. We could think about William Carey as a young man leaving Scotland to go to India. And even though he was discouraged by his older brethren, he still went and did a mighty work for God. And there's loads of others that we could mention. And they all got converted when they were young children and gave their life to Christ and confessed their sin and acknowledged they had a soul and they needed to be saved and said, Here am I, Lord, take me. All I have is yours. And they did it when they were young. And the Lord used them mightily. There's a contrast, the days of thy youth and the days of the advancement of years. And notice one final thing. 
why young people are to remember. I told you there was 263 references to the word remember in the Bible. This is one of them. Why are young people to remember the Creator now? Here's the answer. Because this is the only time you're sure of. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 4 and 7, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not their hearts. As in the provocation, you're not as sure of tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. We think of young people who have gone off on holiday. To have a good time with their friends. And sadly, some have come home, but not in the way they went out. Their life has been taken, very suddenly and tragically. And there's many heartbreaking stories of many families, even in their own community, in Carrydoff and Balnehedge and other places that we could mention. The only time you're sure of is now. And here's another reason. One day you'll die. And we've already quoted from the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. The day of your death is already appointed. God has set the bounds of your habitation. Who knows if you have 10, 20, 30 years left. You may only have one day left. God alone knows. But after this, the judgment, the judgment's also appointed. That day you'll give an account. And that's another reason. After death, the judgment. And here's another reason. And this is the one Solomon focuses on as we finish. The longer you live without God in Christ, without acknowledging your creator, accepting him, and living a life whereby you're accountable to him, your body is breaking down. Your youth is passing away. You'll discover time is short. And one day, as we've read here, and Solomon acknowledged it, in verse 6, the silver cord of life will be broken. Your life will be over. And your life on earth will be cut off. How many reach old age awaiting death? They maybe can't hear. And they can't remember things. And they can't even think and feel. And they're in a different world. And I, I remember young people going to a young, uh, well, it was an elderly man uh, in the hospital. He had a double amputation because of gangrene. And I remember what he said to me. He said to me, Reverend McLaughlin, if you had come to me to preach the gospel to me before I got converted and I had my legs amputated, I'd have chased you. I never forgot that. The body can break down. And it can lead to many thoughts. Even to blame God for the poor health that we have. Let me tell you the story in finishing. This is not my story. It's from Alan Cairns. But I believe it's well worth repeating. He met a young man one time. This is Dr. Alan Cairns. A 19-year-old. He started to talk to him about God and the gospel. The young man said, Well, you know, I'm happy in the Church of Ireland, sir. I can go to church and sleep on Sunday. I don't have to listen to the preacher. He's not a gospel preacher anyway. So there wouldn't be one word that would awaken my conscience or disturb me. Now sadly that preacher was not a preacher of the gospel. 
He was an ungodly man, a hater of the gospel. Alan Kearns knew him well. If somebody had come to him and said, you know, I've got trouble about my sin or I'm troubled about my soul, he, he would have said, here, take this drink of whiskey. Or he'd have offered him a fag to calm his nerves. The young man said to Alan Kearns, I'd be afraid to come to your church. Something might happen to me. I could get spoken to. I could be awakened by the Holy Spirit. I'd have to repent and receive Christ. And I don't want to. I'm too young. Sir, I have plenty of time. I want to live life to the full. I can turn to God whenever I like. I have plenty of time. You know what Alan said to him? And I, I, I leave you with this thought. He said, young man, don't ever think that you can make a fool out of God. And the young man looked at him. And this was his reply. That's what I intend to do. Now, Alan never forgot that. He's rehearsed that different occasions. The Bible says, Be not deceived. Whatsoever ye sow, ye shall also reap. And how many have set out to, to, to make a fool out of God and discovered the fool is themselves, the bigger fool. <clears throat> We're inclined to forget. We're prone to put off thinking about God and spiritual things. We're more inclined to sin and the ways of the world. How many put off coming to Christ and thinking about another day? The sad thing is that day may never come. There's no knowledge that that young man ever repented or ever received Christ. I wonder, did he die as he lived? Where is he now in relation to eternity? Remember Jesus said, What shall a profit a man if you gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. Don't lose your soul because you choose to live in sin. Live for the Saviour. Come to Christ as a young person and make your life count for God. Make a mark for God. Like these other young men did to the glory of God. A truth for youth, a call for young people to remember. Who and when and why. May the Lord bless his truth to your hearts. <coughs>